There are only a few moments during our year that certain feasts take the place of our Sunday celebration. Because as you all know, every Sunday is a little Easter. That's why even during Lent, right, the fasts and the things that we do technically don't apply to the Sundays of Lent. Because every Sunday, even during Lent, it's a little Easter. And so what are those feasts that take the place of Sundays? Well, they can be Christmas, they can be Pentecost, celebrating the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles, the beginning, the birth of the church. Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. We have all these amazing feasts, and we can see why, yes, the church would replace our normal Sunday celebration with one of these feasts. You know, for crying out loud, the birth of Jesus Christ. Of course that's going to take precedence. And yet what's interesting is today's feast takes the place of our little Easter, our Sunday celebration. And what's interesting is because today's feast is the feast of the exaltation of the cross. You say, well, why? Why a feast about the cross? the cross it was the instrument of torture and death of jesus christ and so many other criminals in the then known world why would we ever have a feast to celebrate an instrument of torture why would that take the place of celebrating the lord's resurrection on sunday and just like any of these ancient celebrations Right? There are two different meanings behind the celebration. And the same is true with this feast. It's a very ancient feast. It goes all the way back to the 4th century in the church. Right? Think of Thanksgiving, which is an old celebration in our country. Right? The original meaning behind Thanksgiving was the pilgrims had a good crop and they weren't going to starve to death during the winter as they had done the previous year. So, of course, if you realized you weren't going to starve to death during the winter, you would be pretty grateful. And hence, thanksgiving. Right? That's the original meaning behind the feast. Now, I don't think any of us today goes to celebrate thanksgiving thanking God that we had a good crop. Right? I don't know how many of us are even farmers. At best, we probably grow tomatoes in our backyard. But if those tomatoes don't do well, it's not that we're going to starve to death this winter. Rather, usually when we go to celebrate Thanksgiving, we're lucky if we're able to not eat too much and make it out the door and make it home. Right? I hope I don't get too sick this year from eating so much food. So today, the Feast of Thanksgiving has a slightly different deeper meaning. It's not about starving to death. It's not about a good crop so much anymore. It's about thanking God for our life, thanking God for our family, thanking God for our country, thanking God for so many good things. Well, the same is true in today's feast, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. How did it begin It began, like I said, in the 4th century. St. Helen, who was Constantine's mother, and when you're the mother of the Roman emperor, you can do a lot of stuff that most of us probably can't do today. So she went over to the Holy Land, and she goes and she finds all these 
holy places, these places where Jesus died, where he was buried, where he was born. And she goes around, and what does she do? Well, what do you do back then if you're the mother of the emperor? You go around and you just build basilicas, right? We have to take out a huge loan, and we have a $5 million debt for how many years? She's just like, shazam, boom, basilicas all over the place, out of marble and everything. So she goes over, and she goes over, and she's looking for Calvary, and more specifically, she's looking for the cross that Jesus died on. That was her quest. And she goes over there, she finds the cross of Jesus Christ, she finds Calvary, builds a basilica, and that basilica is dedicated on September 14th. The feast of the cross. We found the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the origin of today's feast. Now today, the church is pretty practical. The church isn't expecting us to come to Mass today and celebrate that in the 4th century, St. Helen built a basilica on Calvary. Yeah, it'd be a little lame. I mean, yeah, we're happy that Calvary's there and there's a basilica, but like, come on, that was back in the 4th century. There's a deeper meaning to today's feast. And the church helps us out by giving us the readings of today. In the gospel, and it's fascinating, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. And Jesus, of all the examples, of all the analogies he could pick from, from the Old Testament, he compares himself with a serpent, with a snake. See, seriously? Jesus Christ, why didn't he say to Nicodemus, as Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac, so must the Son of Man be sacrificed by his father? I mean, he could have used a gazillion different analogies. Why did Jesus Christ choose this one analogy for Nicodemus? Just as Moses lift up lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that all who believe in him might have eternal life. What was up with this bronze serpent? Why did Jesus pick this analogy? Well, the bronze serpent is when the people of Israel were traveling through the desert following God. And you know what happened? They got tired of following God. It was boring. The same manna, the same rock that you have to hit and water would gush out and then the rock would follow them. And you hit the rock, you know, the first water fountain, right? And the people of Israel, they're like, man, I've been drinking water and eating this manna stuff for so long. Following God is just not fun. And you know what? They start to complain. How many of us here can identify with the people of Israel? God, this whole thing about following you and trying to do the right thing, you know what? It doesn't always pay off. And sometimes it can get pretty monotonous, pretty boring as I come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and I pray the same prayers over and over again 
And if we're really honest, there's a part of us that can kind of go, God, can't you make this a little easier? That's what the people in the desert experienced. God's people. They're like, we're tired of you, God. We're tired of this. Let us go back to Egypt. And God sends these serpents into the camp who bite the Israelites and they begin to get sick and they begin to die. And then God tells Moses, Moses, make a serpent out of bronze mounted on a pole so that whoever looks, whoever's been bitten by a snake and looks at the serpent will live. You know what's interesting about this whole scenario? The bronze serpent doesn't keep anyone from getting bitten. God doesn't say, mount that bronze serpent on the pole and whoever looks at it is not going to get bitten. They'll be okay. They'll be fine. No, no, no. You're still going to get bitten. That bronze serpent isn't going to keep you from getting bitten. Jesus Christ on the cross is not going to keep us from experiencing the effects of our fallen human nature. And we can get frustrated with God. We can say, God, why won't you take this away from me? This bad habit, this vice, this sin, my anger, my lust, my passions, my impatience, my whatever. And yet God says, no. Jesus Christ isn't going to take that away. He's going to give you new life. But in order for the Israelites to get this life, what did they have to do? They had to recognize that they had been bitten, go to where this bronze serpent mounted on the pole was located, and look at the serpent. And this is what's interesting. Look, that Hebrew word that's used there actually means to gaze intently on the bronze serpent. That is, when these people got bitten by serpents and they were dying and they were sick, how many of you, when you are sick and you feel like you're dying, are going to go out on a little trip crawling through the camp to find a bronze serpent? It's not easy. It's hard. And yet this is the path that God set out. He said, I am here to cure you, to give you life, but you must drag yourself to the bronze serpent and not just simply look at it and go, oh, yep, there it is, got it, and then go back to your tent. It was to go out to the bronze serpent and gaze intently at it. And then you would live. Today's the feast of the exaltation of the cross. The cross was on the ground until Jesus was nailed on it. When the cross is exalted or lifted up, it's because Jesus is dying on it. Today, we celebrate the fact that God is giving me new life. But just like the Israelites in the desert, it's not enough that the bronze serpent was lifted up. You would still die if you didn't go, if you didn't make that journey, if you didn't recognize your need and you went and you gazed on it. If you didn't do that, you still died. 
Jesus Christ died for us on the cross to save us from our sins. Unless we go to him, unless, as he says, unless you believe in me, you will not have eternal life. That belief, that new way of looking at Jesus Christ and looking at our lives through the eyes of God. Today's feast has to do with life. Your life, my life, eternal life. And so, my question is this. Today we celebrate how centuries ago St. Helen found the cross of Jesus Christ. My question is, can I find the cross of Jesus Christ anymore in my home? Is there the cross of Jesus Christ on the wall in my home? It's so simple. Think about it. When's the last time that you gazed intently, stared at for a long time, Jesus Christ on the cross? My dear brothers and sisters, that's the beginning of this journey of faith. Jesus says, unless you believe in me, you will not have life. Unless you gaze intently on me on the cross, you will not have life. 